Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. At 9 o'clock, little Giants, how things are shaping up for the game on Saturday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Next game that the Jets are going to play is August, you know. Preseason, long ways away, but probably going to get some news here, I would say, in the not-too-distant future as to how the coaching staff is going to shake out for the upcoming season, and most importantly, who's going to be the guys calling the plays for next year because they're in the market for a new offensive coordinator as the team decided to move on from Mike LaFleur. Now, they've been circling through the interviews. Kevin Petullo, who's actually a former Jet assistant, now he's been the quarterback coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's already interviewed Marcus Brady, who was fired in Indianapolis this year, part of the uh, old Frank Reich staff. Uh, The tight end coach from the New England Patriots is a name that's also been brought up. And then you have Darryl Bevel, who's probably, you know, the most accomplished, if you will, of some of the names that have been bantied about. Is there another person or two that his name has not been reported yet? I I don't know the answer to that question, to be quite honest. Um, But... Whoever the offensive coordinator is, okay, here's what I'll say. Was Mike LaFleur perfect? No. You know, was Mike LaFleur in a lot of ways learning on the job the last couple of years? Yeah, because he had never called plays before. I think whoever the new play caller is going to be, I think they're going to go into this thing with a leg up as opposed to, let's say, how Mike LaFleur began his tenure a couple of years ago in the sense that You think about what that Jets roster was on paper to begin 2021 when Robert Sala and his staff came in there. It was not as imposing as what you would like to think, right? You know, they were turning it over. You had some youth. You had some placeholders. You didn't really have any top high-end skill position talent to the extent that you would want, all while trying to develop a rookie quarterback, by the way. Then this year, they went out and they upgraded the talent. You had better personnel, but you still had to deal with the injury bug. And then you had the revolving door at quarterback, which is going to really hamstring almost any play caller in terms of what you want to do. Now, look, one can help the other, you know, because if you are somebody who is in charge of diagramming an offense, calling plays and that sort of thing, If you don't have the guys that you set out to have at the beginning of the season, well, then how are you going to adapt? And this isn't just for an offensive coordinator. This is for any coach, any coach whatsoever. That's what separates the good ones from the great ones, the good ones from the bad ones, is what type of personnel that you have, how are you going to utilize it? Are you just a strict plug-and-play type coach to where this is my system, this is what I'm married to, This is what I believe in, and I'm just going to stick these guys in the spots that they're supposed to be in, whether they're a good fit for it or not. Or do you do what a guy like Belichick has made his entire career doing? I'm going to take what I have to work with, 
and I'm going to play the best type of football and the best system and the best scheme, which is going to utilize the talents of the players that I have the best. I'm not going to ask players to do things that they're not capable of doing, even if it deviates from my scheme and my philosophies and from what I believe in. So that's number one. And could Michael Floyd have done a better job of doing that? Obviously. Right? Because this offense sputtered the last six, seven weeks of the season. When Mike White went down, when some of the other guys went down, different quarterback, skill position players out of the mix. You know, there was a lot to blame for it. But, as the old saying goes, you're not just going to fire 53 players. So what's the easy thing to do? You move on from a coach. And that's what they did. So who's going to be that next guy? Well, whoever that guy's going to be, he's also going to have to be dealing with a question of who's the quarterback going to be. Because I know the organization has been bullish about Zach Wilson and how much they believe in him and how they still want to develop him and they still think that there's upside. And that's all well and good. It really and truly is. And I don't disagree and I don't doubt that there is upside there and there is natural talent because, look, Guys like Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, they've spent their adult lives in football. They know more football than you, me, everybody put together. For them to stick their necks out and to take this kid with the number two overall pick in the draft, they didn't just do it as a flyer, right? They didn't just do it because, oh, they got on the private jet and they flew all the way out to, you know, Provo, Utah, to watch Zach Wilson at his pro day at BYU, and they said, oh, he, you know, he throws a good football, you know, rolling, rolling and throwing across his body in the opposite direction. Yeah, let's just take him. They had a lot of data, right? They did a lot of homework, like they do with any other player. But that's a premium pick. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and not acknowledge that. We all know it. Number two pick in the draft You're supposed to be somebody that is going to help shape the fortunes of whatever franchise you are going to. And has Zach Wilson done that for the first two years? Of course not. So, yeah, I'm sure that there is a little bit of personal and professional pride there. That if you had that significant of a pick, you don't want to admit that it was a failure after just two years. Right? You don't want to admit I was wrong. It's like, let's say you... You're in a relationship. You know, say you take the plunge. You get married. Things aren't maybe working out the way you want early on. You try to work it out, right? I mean, you're not going to sit there and just, like, admit after just, oh, I'm done, finished. No, can't. No, because, you know, you put a lot of effort into this thing. Right? It's a commitment. So they're not just going to kick the kid to the curb after two years and admit that we screwed up. So I think deep down, they don't necessarily feel that. However, it's a big boy business, right? It's professional sports. And they realize that jobs are at stake. And they need to win football games. I know that Woody Johnson came out last week and said, no, there's no mandates. You don't have to make the playoffs in order to keep your job or anything like that. And that's all well and good. It really and truly is. But you know as well as I do. If things, let's say, crash and burn next year for this team and they win four or five games, do you think really anybody's job is safe? Not saying that that's been ordered or anything or or implied in any way, 
But another disappointing season, I think, would be even doubly devastating given the flashes that you showed this year already. And with all the other talent that they have on this roster. I mean, it's a team that had three All-Pros this year. Three! Now, they were on the defensive side of the ball, unfortunately. But Brees Hall looked like, you know what, he was going to be a Pro Bowl slash All-Pro type player before he went down. Elijah Vera Tucker, same thing, then he went down. Quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. I've said it's the most important position in all team sports. you got to get it right. But what I will tell you, I think it's pretty evident that this organization is past the point that they're just going to roll into off-season program and OTAs and minicamp with the promise that Zach Wilson is the anointed number one starting quarterback for this football team. That's not going to happen. And that's why there's going to be somebody else here. Now, is that Mike White? Is it Mike White plus somebody else? Look, I love Mike. Lum is a person, great dude. And you know what? He's shown flashes that he could be a good quarterback as well. But he couldn't stay on the field. And I still think if Mike White didn't get hurt, by the way, the Jets are a playoff team this year. They still would have found a way to get in if Mike White didn't crumble up in Buffalo, thanks to Matt Milano. But again, you can't go into the season with just these two guys who are littered with question marks saying they're our quarterbacks. I don't know about you. That would not produce a lot of good sleeping nights if it was my job at stake. So you know that they're going to go and bring in another quarterback. Now, who is that guy? You know, people ask me this question all the time. Like, Michael, you know, when I was on with the guys before our show. They asked me, who, who do you want to be the quarterback? I don't have an answer for you. And I'm not just saying that as a cop-out. I really and truly, because each and every one of these guys that potentially could be available, they're available for a reason, right? They have their warts. Whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's Derek Carr, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's some other guy that we're not even talking about right now. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I mean, I could sit here and throw cold water and throw cons at each and every one of these guys. Tom Brady's 76 years old. You know, Aaron Rodgers is somebody who, you know, might go off the reservation at a moment's notice and decide to go to Peru during OTAs and minicamp and ayahuasca and all that stuff. Like I said, I could sit here and throw cold water on each and every one of these players, but the bottom line is Jets can't roll into next season with Zach Wilson and Mike White as your two quarterbacks and say, all right, boys, here's a ball. Battle it out. Best man wins the job. Let's talk about it. 800-919-3776. What would you do? What do you think is the wise and prudent move for a franchise that looked like it was getting in the playoffs this year until they didn't? Looked like they had figured things out, but they didn't. That's got to change. Dan Grasso Show till 10, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. OC quarterback. Something's got to give, right? I would like to – well, certainly you're going to find out who the offensive coordinator is a lot sooner before who the quarterback is going to be because, you know, the OC is somebody you can get within the next month, which is probably – I would be shocked. Uh, maybe shocked is a strong word. I would be surprised if the Jets don't have a new offensive coordinator sometime in the next two, three weeks. Let's put it that way. Uh, maybe even sooner. Quarterback, though, that's going to take some time. You know, because if you are going to go the free agent route – that doesn't start until March when you could begin talking to players, you know, right around the turn of the new league year, which is in, I think, the second week of March, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. But then you could also have guys that you maybe trade for, guys that could be cut loose, which then could be gobbled up a little bit sooner and so on and so forth. So it is a mystery, but you're going to get that offensive coordinator first. And then I think that might also play into their decision as to what quarterback that they're going to elect to pursue because – you know, I made this point a little while ago with Jimmy Garoppolo, and for a long time, Garoppolo was a guy who was thought of as a, a potential replacement down the road. Because at the time, the Jets were running the Mike LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, you know, that West Coast system. Garoppolo playing in that system, right? He'd be a natural fit. Well, after they make the change and the head coach comes out and says, now, you know, we're not married to one scheme necessarily. We're going to hire the best guy, and whatever he wants to run, that's what we're going to run. Okay, well... Does that make somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, maybe less appealing of a candidate because he doesn't come into this organization with that backhanded knowledge of the system already? I, I mean, it's just I'm, I'm throwing things out there, right? Just opening up all the doors of the possibilities that they could maybe look to pursue. But we'll see which way they go. Let's start off with Artie in Brooklyn. He is up next here on 98.7. Art, how's things, my friend? Hey, man. Could, it couldn't be better. I mean, you know. I'm sitting there. It's funny. I'm sitting there watching with all the Giants fans. I'm trying so hard to root for the Giants. Yeah. And they, and when they win, they go, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Nothing." They go, "You didn't want the Giants to win." I said, "No, oh, no, I don't want them to win." <laughs> but it's like inside me, it kills me because I go, "Our team should be better than them. Our quarterback should be better than this guy." And yet, what is it? It's the coach. What the hell is it? that giant thing that they had? They wild card. If they beat Philadelphia, Dan, I'm calling you. I'm leaving the city for a little while. Hey, hey. I cannot take the Giants making another run. All right, I'll tell you this. And, and look, this this ain't going to really get you anywhere. But I'll, I'll, I'll say, and I said it the other day. Take out the quarterback. The other right. 52 guys on the roster, the Jets have a more talented roster than Giants do. But you know what? That's not going to get I you anywhere right now. It ain't going to get you anywhere. I, I got you, Dan. But you know what? Instead of changing the quarterback, I have a funny feeling. I changed the coach, and I think we make the playoffs too. I, I just think that – He ain't going anywhere. A, okay. 
I'm, I'm not dogging to Sally, but one of the criticisms on Rex was that he didn't develop the quarterback. And I think this is going to be the biggest decision that Sally, the GM, I don't know. You tell me who's making Is it a joint thing on the quarterback? Because whoever they bring in here, they got to win next year. And he can't be a bust. Because look, look at the guy. Look at Purdy. Look at this kid in Miami. How are those guys doing anything? It's got to be coaching, no? It's it can't the, be the talent. Well, Wilson's got the talent. It's just not coached right, I, I guess. San Look Fran- at Gino, for God's sake. Well, San Francisco, first right, with San Francisco. Oh, All right, Artie, you'll be good. San Francisco, they got it from top to bottom, they might be, might be the best team left. And that's why, like, last night, I, I even, like, tweeted this out. Like, the way, and we'll get into that a little bit later on here, the debacle with, you know, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. But, you know, Dallas did everybody a favor. Like, if you, even if you hate the Cowboys, thank God the Cowboys won that game last night because could you imagine this Tampa Bay team, which was fraud all year long, as we find out last night, you imagine if Tampa Bay went to San Francisco next week instead of Dallas, what the Niners would have done to them? Oh, my God. You thought last night was bad? Niners would have annihilated the Buccaneers. I mean, Brady might not even have gotten off the field in one piece. He barely did last night, the way things were going. But, no, I think San Francisco, they got that scheme down to a T, number one. Number two, it's a really, really good roster. Back to my original point. San Francisco's got a real good foundation. So, yeah, it's a little unorthodox that you expect the guy who was a seventh-round pick, the last pick in the draft, to come in there and all of a sudden just start slinging it all around and, 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 and not even skip a beat. But they're a good team. They really and truly are. Say hi to Vinny in Staten Island up next. Vin, how you doing? How you doing, buddy? How are you? Good, Vin. What's going on? It's all about the coaching. Salad destroyed this – he destroyed this season – when he benched Zach. Zach was 5-2. and two. The next game he had coming was a bad game. It was a layup. He would have been 6-2. and two. He destroyed this kid's confidence. The kid came off the bench after three weeks, put him in a position to win in Detroit, and Salah blew the game with his timeouts. Salah destroyed the season. Let me ask you a question. Did Zach Wilson play a good game in, in New England the week before he got benched? No, he lost two games in New England, which he played bad. But the first game they should have won if they didn't take a stupid penalty. But the Jets also lost 14 times in a row in New England. So he was still 5-2. and two. He beat the Buffalo Bills, and he lost the next week in New England. After the Bills game, Salah goes, Zach Wilson's my quarterback for the rest of the year. He says one stupid thing at a press conference, and he creates a quarterback controversy. They're wearing Mike White T-shirts. He destroyed this team. He should have been the first guy to go before the floor. He's terrible. He needs to go. They're not winning nothing with this guy as head coach. Wow. That's all I got to say. Have a good night. Vin, be good. I- I'm Wait, shocked. Wins. I'm a little surprised at that one, to be quite honest with you. I disagree, first and foremost. And the quarterback change, I think it was completely justified. And, you know, a lot of people want to bring up that post game up in Foxborough. You know, when he didn't take accountability, you know, they asked him, do you feel that you have to maybe, you know, accept responsibility for this loss today, you know, especially when you talk about the defense who didn't even allow a touchdown in the game. And he said, no. And, you know, that kind of ruffled some feathers. Hey, I said it then. I'll say it now for those that missed it. If Zach Wilson went out there 
and was playing good football at the quarterback position, he could have said what he said after that game and even 10 times worse than that, and he still would have been the quarterback the next week. There were signs that this was happening. The Jets were 5-2 and two in spite of the quarterback. They weren't 5-2 and two because of the quarterback. Okay, when everything started to go south. Or they weren't 5-2 and two with him. You know, he played a good fourth quarter up in Pittsburgh and helped win them that game. Played good against the Buffalo Bills, give him that. But the New England game at the Meadowlands, I think you point the finger squarely on the quarterback. He made two decisions in that game. He threw three picks, but two of them in particular were decisions that an NFL quarterback is not supposed to make. Two of those decisions were things that you do when you're fooling around with your friends in the playground, just throwing it up for grabs, goofing around. All right, and I was hard on him after that first New England game, the one at MetLife Stadium, where, yeah, they, they, they could have won the game, and there was the bad rough in the passer call on JFM, which negated the pick six by Michael Carter and all those things, but the quarterback didn't play well. All right, so there were signs of it there. Let's go back the week before the New England game in Denver, a game the Jets actually won. Quarterback didn't play good that day. Quarterback showed you signs that day where he was running around the pocket like a chicken with his head cut off. He wasn't hanging in there, running all over the field, throwing balls up for grabs. The only difference between the Denver game and the ones followed is that in Denver, those passes didn't find any Denver Broncos. But he was literally just throwing some of them with his left hand, just like throwing them up for grabs. And if Brees Hall doesn't score that touchdown against the Denver Broncos, maybe they don't beat the Broncos. And ironically enough, that's the game that Brees Hall got hurt and AVT got hurt. All right, so there were signs of it out in Denver. Then it was ugly the next week against the Patriots. Okay, things were restored against the Buffalo Bills. Then you go to Foxborough, and I said at the time, that might have been the worst game that I've seen a starting quarterback in the NFL play in all the years that I've watched NFL football. That was bad. And they could have played that game until the following Wednesday, and the Jets wouldn't have scored a touchdown that day, the way that offense was going. He was going backwards. And so what happened after the game kind of just added fuel to the fire, but he had no choice but to make a quarterback change because he had a team that was looking at the head coach for leadership. So you could sit here like Vinny and think that it was the head coach that ruined the season. I'll look at it another way. If he doesn't make that quarterback change then, he might have lost the locker room even earlier. Not saying that he did lose the locker room, but my point is is things could have went south immediately at that point. You know, Mike White doesn't get hurt up in Buffalo. I, I, I think this team makes the playoffs. And you want to bring up the Lions game again and the clock management and all these things? I'll look at it a different way. That was a Lions defense that wasn't very good at all. Not very good. And the Jets only mustered 17 points that day against that Lion defense. I think if Mike White plays against the Lions, a healthy Mike White, that game probably goes along the way way that the Bears game did. And they're putting a lot of points up and down that field. It shouldn't have come down to that final possession. But the offense stalled too frequently throughout the course of that afternoon, and that's why it came down to the very end. And the game should not have been in that position in any way, shape, or form. 
They're trying to win games. It's not a popularity contest, not this, not that. They're trying to win games. And obviously, coaching staff, they felt that somebody other than Zach Wilson gave them the best chance to win football games and help get that team to the playoffs down the stretch. Unfortunately, Mike White got hurt. 800-919-3776. We'll get into some names about who that next quarterback of the Jets should be. Dan Grass's show till 10, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We'll talk to Jordan Renan coming up at 9 o'clock on the Football Giants. Let's say hi to Iron Staten Island. He is up next here on 98.7. I, how are you, bud? Hey, good to hear you, Dan. It seems like I haven't spoken to you since like July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> See that a couple of weeks, it feels like forever. It's unbelievable, but good to hear you. And you're bringing up some really good points. Uh, listen, you know how I felt about LaFleur. You know, and I don't want to get on the guy's case, but I just felt that the Jets made a mistake. You know, you're taking a, a, a young quarterback out of BYU with a second pick, and you ask somebody who does have no experience as a coordinator to build them. It uh, just didn't work, and I wish him well. But, you know, getting for the quarterback situation, in my eyes, and I may be wrong, I don't think he, Wilson's on the opening day roster come September. Um, I, I know what you said about Derek Carr with the cold weather, but you know what? He's a professional athlete. Um, moves to the uh, Northeast, gets to start practicing in some cold weather. They'll adapt. He'll learn how to play here. Um, I, I think that's the no-brainer. Um, I, I just can't go – forget Lamar Jackson. I heard you with, with Michael Kay. I totally agree with you. It's a bad fit. And then Joe Douglas has not given up, like, 25 number one picks to get Lamar Jackson. Um, so I think the philosophical fit would be Derek Carr and the right off of offensive coordinator. Garoppolo, I can't trust staying on the field. And I want Mike, Mike White as my backup. But I think Derek Carr, you just look at his numbers. You know, he has a, a lot of comeback wins, a lot of fourth-quarter drives. And at the end of the day, 215-plus uh, touchdowns, 91 interceptions or so, quarterback rating over 90. Uh, when was the last time we talked about a Jet quarterback with those type of numbers? So to me, I think that's the... It's different, though, because, you know, again, and these numbers are going to look inflated, you know, even nowadays because the game is so wide open. So you are going to see the big passing numbers. You see more 4,000 yard passers nowadays than you do back in the day. But let me ask you this question. And, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here for Derek Carr. Why would Josh McDaniels be in such a hurry to move on from him? They just recently signed him to a contract extension not too long ago. Why would McDaniels, who's a guy who, you know, is an offensive coach by trade, spent all that time with Brady all those years, unless he knows something that obviously would go against the rules, but unless he knows that maybe he's got tabs on maybe a former co-worker, namely Tom Brady, why would he be so reluctant to move on from Derek Carr as his quarterback out there? 
Uh, well, you know what? Maybe it's just a bad fit for his system, and he doesn't want to adapt to him. Maybe the two of them didn't have a relationship. Um, I, you know, I, I know his interceptions went up a little, but um, I'm sorry. I think he's just too talented a guy to give up on. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think they each have to go in a di- different direction. And almost like what Sam Donnelly went to Carolina, and you know, he played a good couple of games towards the end of the year. I just think they each need to change the scenery. But for Derek Carr, uh, you know, he has the size, he has the durability, um, and there's not that many options. I mean, let's face it, how many, you know, at the end of the year, there's not going to be a dozen quarterbacks that are good quarterbacks that are available. Right. And Salah and Douglas, they have to win next year. Um, to me, I, I, I think I think it's Derek Carr or Buss. I could be wrong, but that's how I feel about it. All right, look, I mean, I'm not saying that you're completely wrong, and I thank you for the phone call. I, I think the point you made there towards the end has been something that I've kind of articulated here, is that anybody who's going to be available, they're available for a reason, if you catch my drift. You know, if you think about the premium that the quarterback position is, and teams fight like tooth and nail to try to find that guy and to have a solution at that position – why would you part ways with somebody that could hold down the job for you, right? So there's got to be a reason why somebody's available. Unless you're going, you're going to draft somebody, and I don't think the Jets are going to do that because they went down that road already, and it didn't work out too well for them. Now, I'm not ruling out the possibility of them taking a quarterback, let's say, in the mid to late rounds, but it ain't going to be the first round pick. It ain't going to be the guy at 13 that's going to be a quarterback. Veteran on somebody else's roster. Now, if you look at the teams that are still alive right now in the NFL, let's take a look at the eight teams. Jacksonville, Kansas City, Giants, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Dallas, San Francisco. You know what all those teams have in common? Or let's put it this way. You know what the quarterbacks of all those teams have in common? They were all drafted by the teams they're on right now. I know one's a little unorthodox with Brock Purdy with San Francisco, but hey, they did draft him, right? They did bring him in. So ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the direction you would like to go to find a solution at quarterback. You would love to be able to draft and develop your own guy because then you don't got to worry about it for years and years and years in a perfect world. just hasn't worked out that way for the Jets. It hasn't. And right now, if you're a betting like if you're a betting man right now, and I said to you, do you think that there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel in this city with this organization for Zach Wilson? Which way are you leaning? Not looking too promising, is it? David in Jersey up next. You're on ninety-eight seven. David, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, uh, Dan. How you doing? Good, Dave. I hate to be in disagreement with the great Ira from Staten Island, but uh, Derek Carr is not the answer for the reason that you stated. There's uh, two points that were missed tonight. I want to throw them out there. One is you didn't mention the quarterback coach from the Patriots. He'll probably be the next coordinator for us. I don't remember his name right now, but he's the quarterback coach up in uh, New England. The tight end coach, you mean? The guy, Kelly, Nick Kelly, who uh, they've interviewed? I think that's the name, Mm -hmm. correct. I've I've read it a couple of times. He sounds like the right fit for us. The other thing that was missed is the most important of all. You know what Joe Douglas missed? Uh, and, and, and everybody missed. Zach Wilson was not even a co-captain on his own college team. He's a punk. 
He's a wise guy, and he's a, he needs a smack. He doesn't need a job. He needs to be sent home to Utah. Uh, the kid is never going to be coachable because he thinks he knows everything. So if, you, if your own teammates don't elect you captain or co-captain of your team, you don't belong in the NFL. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. Dave, I, look, and I thank you for the phone call. I don't know, I don't know if he's a punk. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, here's the thing about that. First of all, like if you want to go, and we've it seems like we've talked about this. this is going back two, three years ago, right? This is a while ago, long time. The whole thing with the captaincy thing at BYU. Remember, Zach Wilson the previous year was coming off of an injury, so there was no guarantee that he was even going to be the starting quarterback that final year. He had to go compete for the job. He had to go compete and win the job. So when they did the vote and all those things. He wasn't even sure to be in the starting quarterback. That's why he wasn't named the captain on the team. I don't think it has anything to do about the reflection of him and what the teammates thought about him. Hey, I've talked to several guys, a lot of guys, in that room. And kind of, you know, just you're hearing rumors, you're hearing all these things about, you know, how the locker room really feels. And I look, I wouldn't lie to you. Unless people are lying to me, and I don't think that they have any sort of advantage doing that or anything to gain by lying to me, but I've asked the question to, to several guys. I said, so what's the deal? Where's all this coming from? Is he a bad guy? None of them have said that he's a bad guy. None of them. So that's the perception. I don't know where that comes from, but it's not entirely 100% true. He's not disliked. Not a bad guy. Now, if you're not playing well, that's a different story. You know, because at the end of the day, it's a job. It's a business. All those guys in that room, they got families to feed. They got themselves to feed. And they want what's best for them. And so if a guy is out there and he is not necessarily helping them be successful to where it's going to help them, I'm sure that that's not going to reflect favorably on him, right? He's not a bad guy. Now, as far as the Patriots thing is concerned with Nick Cayley, I don't know much about him. I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know much about him. Maybe we'll find out more. Maybe we won't if he ends up getting the job. But here's all I'll say. New England's offense was a joke this year. Okay, and this is Bill Belichick's staff. The guy who's, you know, arguably the best coach that we've ever seen in this game. He brought in Matt Patricia whose background is on the defensive side of the ball, his former defensive coordinator, and had him be the one calling the plays. Remember during training camp and during the offseason, Joe Judge, our boy, our buddy from the Giants, Mr. Let's do a quarterback sneak back up in our own end, that Joe Judge. He had him working alongside of Matt Patricia running the offense. So my question would be about Nick Cayley, If he's so bright and if he's so good when it comes to what he can be offensively and New England's offense was the calamity that it was apparently behind the scenes, why didn't Bill Belichick allow this guy to have a little bit more of influence and a little bit more say into the offense? That's just my first question. And I'm sure that there's good reasons behind it. So that would be, as an outsider, looking at it from, you know, 30,000 feet saying, bad operation up there. Yet you have this guy on your offensive staff. Now the Jets are looking to bring him in in an elevated role 
and allowing him to call plays to where Belichick didn't even give him that type of responsibility and he was within the organization. I want that question answered before I go all in. 800-919-3776. What's going to happen with Tom Brady? Has he played his last game? Tell you what he had to say. Give you some thoughts coming up next. Dan Grasser Show, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Because you know that they're going to be pumping that stuff on Saturday at the game. They do it every time. Oh, it's the worst. And I think they pump something in for third down as well. Some I forgot what it is. Oh, but. yeah. Hey, you know what that is? That's home field advantage. That's home field advantage. Exactly what it's supposed to be. Let me say hi to um, John in New Jersey. If I could get this. There we go. He's up next. Johnny, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you? Good, John. What's going on? Hey, uh, earlier we were just asking, you know, what we should do with the Jets. Yeah. And as a Jets fan, I don't really know. But uh, I, I'm I'm very concerned for, for Douglas and Sala. I like them a lot. And if we're going to have to, you know, use a large portion of the salary cap to get a quarterback or if we're going to have to use draft capital to trade for a quarterback, you know, this team is only two years away from basically being completely devoid of talent. And – you know, I, I'm just worried that we're we're going to try to strike when the iron's hot with this young defense, but at the same time forget that we need to build up this team. And then just one other point, I just couldn't help myself uh, while, while I was watching the, the games this weekend, mm-hmm. thinking about what Salah is thinking watching the 49ers. I mean, you know, Brock Purdy, he's, he's kind of coming out of nowhere, but, like, he was throwing to guys that were wide open. And – with with what LaFleur was doing with Zach Wilson, I mean, I don't know. Zach Wilson coming out of BYU, he just he seemed like this gunslinger type of quarterback. But Salah already had his you know his Shanahan court, uh, offensive coordinator, and now they're basically telling the Zach kid, you know, hey, we're gonna have you do something that you you actually don't really you know have any success in doing. And you know, I'm glad that LaFleur is gone, and I don't know who the next guy is, but it's 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 going to be a really troubling hire because you know not only you're bringing in offensive coordinators where Salah is you know on the hot seat, but you're also bringing in offensive coordinators where there's no quarterback, and the organization has been at least outwardly saying that they want to still try and develop Zach Wilson. So it's it's a tough spot. I don't have answers, but well, that's a tough part, John. I mean, right? I mean that that that's why they're in this situation right now. And look, I, thanks for the phone call as always. He look. look 
I think we know this already. BYU to the NFL is a big leap. And if you think back to that last season, I don't know how many of you even watched, because that was a weird, tricky year. It was uh, 2020 with college football. Remember, the college football season that year was so strange, the COVID year, where you had some teams that played four games. You had some teams that played 11 games, 12 games. Like, games were getting canceled day of. Games were getting moved, you know, to the next week, to this, to that. Like, it was just one of the craziest things. And I look, the world was crazy. And I hope that that's something that we never have to experience again. But, you know, BYU played a lot of games that year. So, Zach Wilson, you know, made a name for himself. It's obvious they didn't play a lot of good competition out there that season. They were, you know, playing games who they could play. Remember, there were some conferences that weren't even allowed to play college football. Remember, Big Ten didn't start that year till what? Late October, early November, and they played a reduced schedule. The Pac-12, same thing. They barely played football out on the West Coast. So if you're a team like BYU, you know, you have to really kind of pick and choose. Like, teams were scheduling opponents like the week before in the middle of the season. Like, it was really, really strange. And some of the things he got away with at BYU, you're not going to be able to get away with in the NFL. Goes without saying, it's not really, a, you know, the conventional offense as far as things are concerned. Not to mention the fact the competition you're playing certainly isn't the same as what you're going to be facing in the NFL. And part of being a quarterback in the NFL, and this is not just me saying this. You guys watch football, you should know this. Robert Salas said this throughout the course of the season. You got to hang in the pocket. You got to let the plays develop. You got to give your receivers a chance to win one-on-one battles down the field. You got to go through your progressions. All right? Look at the quarterback that plays for the Giants and how he hangs in the pocket. Look at how Mike White hung in the pocket. And unfortunately, it was almost a disservice to Mike White because part of what unfortunately led him to getting hurt was because he hung in the pocket too long and used every last, which, look, is admirable. Don't get me wrong. I'm not killing the guy. It's extremely admirable. It's tough. You know, he hung in the pocket until that very last second to be able to make the best throw possible. And more often than not, he was able to do that when he was healthy. But it also then cost him the season because he took one too many hits. You know, Zach Wilson's going to have to learn, whether it's with the Jets or with some other team, got to hang in the pocket, man. All this off-platform stuff and the things that he was being praised for and, you know, these unbelievable skill sets and things that he could do. Yeah, that crap was cool in college. And once in a blue moon, it'll work in the NFL. And we've seen a couple of plays in the NFL where it has worked, but you can't resort to that constantly. You can't just drop back to pass. Look downfield for one read, and if it's not there, take off. And that's what was happening. And then it was either making bad decisions, throwing the ball up for grabs, which would lead to turnovers and INTs, or just not moving the ball on down the field and being productive. Easy, com- Where are the easy completions, right? You weren't getting those. And then the coaching staff, I think, finally said, you know what, enough is enough. Enough. Got to get somebody who could run this offense. I mean, let's be real. Jets played three, used three quarterbacks this year. Zach Wilson might have been third on the totem pole as far as being the most effective. You know, Joe Flacco led this team or was right at near the top of the list leading this team in touchdown passes this year, and he played four games. Think about that for a second. 
Flacco had five touchdown passes. Zach Wilson had six. I mean, that's incredible. I think the week one starting quarterback for the Jets in 2023 is currently on somebody else's roster. Who that guy is, it's a mystery. We'll get into some of those possibilities in the next hour. But I want to go back to the Giants to begin the 9 o'clock. And we'll talk to our pal Jordan Renan, who covers them for us here at ESPN. We've talked to him all season. Got to talk to him now, of course, with them about to play their biggest game by far and another trip down to Philadelphia to take on the Birds. Dan Grosser show for another 60. Then we hand it off to Gordon and Larry coming up at 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>